0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Now today, I'm going to talk to you about the treasure chest of your heart. The treasure chest of your heart. One of the most important things that you can learn about living is giving. You know, think about it, when you were a child, you thought as a child, you acted as a child, but when you became a man, you put away childish things. Let me give you an example of that. Do you remember Christmas time? What was Christmas time when you were this big? It was about getting, let's be honest. I mean, how, what am I gonna get for Christmas? What about the gifts and the parties and the toys and the things that I want? Am I gonna get it? But when you became older, Christmas changed, didn't it? It became a giving time. You were glad to see a smile on somebody's face or, or to meet the need that somebody else had. There's a maturity that comes in living from giving. It comes from giving. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man, remember we're talking about the heart? Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly nor of necessity, out of obligation, out of debt, just to be delivered from guilt. That's not why we give. But God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you will always have all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. God loves a cheerful giver. And we don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. We give because we want to. And you get to choose whether you're going to give sparingly or bountifully. And it comes back in the same manner. Comes back in the same manner. Now let's take a look at um, Malachi for a minute. Malachi chapter 3. While you're turning there, let me say this. The first thing that everybody needs to learn is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to experience the salvation of both a Lord and a Savior in our lives. That has got to be number one on the list. What I'm talking to you about today, talking about giving, is after that, We don't teach these things to people that don't have a relationship with God. But God has established principles in his word that he blesses. And everybody needs a place to begin from. Now, let me read this to you from Malachi chapter three. Verse 10 says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. How many of you have a house? Okay, I don't know where the rest of you are living. (laughs) We're running out of room at our house, but surely we could take a few more. But we all have a place. We rent, we own, or the bank, and we share. (laughs) But we have a place to live, and we have to take care of that house. We have to take care of all of the responsibilities Involving a house. But God says, I have a house too. Now, this is God's house. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's how we can distinguish between the two. But this is God's house. So, do we have a heart for the house? Do we have a heart? for God's house. You walked underneath a sign when you walked in today. You've been walking under it. We may have to move it around every once in a while, but we need a heart for God's house. We have a responsibility to God's house. And God says, I want you to bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me. Go ahead and challenge me on this, he says. Prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the thief, the devourer for your sakes. He will not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the the thing in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. After this book, And God is very harsh. Go back to to eight and nine. I'm not gonna dwell on the negative right now, but God came to the nation of Israel and said, you're a bunch of thieves. You've robbed me. And after that, he didn't speak for 400 years. There's 400 years between Malachi and the gospels. It's pretty important to God. It's the way that God operates. It's the way he functions. Now, most of us come to God, think about this. Most of us come to God with brokenness. Not all of us. Some of us come to God just because we have a desire and we wanna know the Lord and and that's wonderful. But oftentimes when people come into this house, they have come with brokenness. I can flash back to when my wife and I first came to know the Lord. We came in brokenness. We were literally broke. We were in debt. This is 1973, and we're $6,000 in debt. We can't pay our bills. You remember the, the phone ringing and you didn't want to answer it because somebody wanted money? Do you remember not wanting to go to the mailbox because somebody was going to threaten you with taking something back that you weren't making your payments on? Do you remember those days? I do. That was part of our brokenness. Our marriage was broken. There was a lot of brokenness. And you might be here today in brokenness. And that's a good thing. I'm glad for it now because that's what it took to bring us to somebody that could heal us, somebody that could save us, somebody that could bless us, somebody that could provide for us and protect us. That's a good thing. So we came to God and and we experienced a relationship with God and and received the Holy Ghost and and we talked to the pastor's wife. I I got a pastor's wife just like my pastor's wife. I remember when we went to Sister Angeline Tamil and, and, and told her, man, we're in real serious trouble financially. And she said, well, Sister Kylie, put all the bills in a shoebox and bring them to my office. And I was embarrassed. As a man, I had so much pride in my life. I didn't want to do this. And you know, the number one problem was not her, it was me. Buying things you can't afford on credit. Paying interest 18 to 21%. Anybody remember those days? 21% interest on money that you have borrowed that you can't pay back. You aren't even attacking the principal anymore. All you're doing is paying interest. You're never gonna get out of debt that way. But we were so desperate and we needed help. And we went to Sister Tamil with our shoebox. And she sat there and sorted out all these things and came up with a budget and she's scribbling and writing things week one, week two, week three, week four. And then she looked up and said, now the first thing you need to understand is that everything belongs to God. When Jesus, before Jesus fed 5,000, what did he ask for? Everything they had. He said, you go out and find everything they've got and you bring it to me. We come to God with everything we've got. We are now stewards, we are not owners. Everything we have, we have because every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from above. And she talked about tithing. I did not receive that well. Oh, listen, when you can't pay your bills and, you, and you're going to give God the first 10%, are you kidding me? How's that going to work? We had a cute thing happen at our dinner table the other night. We have dinner somewhere around 5, 5.30 every night, and the whole family gets together, um, and we sit down and we talk about the day, and whatever you know subjects come up that we can talk about as a family. And the other night, my grandson Troy said, "I got a problem." Well, what's the problem? The government is taking 25 percent of my paychecks." Twenty-five percent. That's a whole lot more than 10 folks. Do you know where the government got that idea? They got it from God. Right. Abraham came up with an idea, listen carefully now, listen, because my goal is to bless you today. My goal is to bless you. Abraham said, you know what? I'm gonna give God the first 10%. God was so impressed with that, that he said, that's a principle that I'm gonna bless for my people. And from that time to this time, God has continued to bless that principle. He even confirmed it in Matthew 23 and 23. He blesses that principle. At least he does for me, I don't know. Maybe there's two or three others. Does that ha- has that worked for anybody else? Oh, okay, all right. So he blesses that principle. The government comes along and says, pretty good idea. Let's have a percentage of people's income be taxed. Now they're up to 25, and some of you are paying more than that. That is Caesar's money. And every last one of you is giving almost a triple tithe to the US government, and some of you are giving God nothing. What Jesus said when the disciples complained, he said, you render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and you render unto God that which is God's. Now, he did not say that he was in favor of what Caesar was charging. But you will pay or you will go to jail. If we can do that for Caesar, what should we do for God and His house? It worked for me, folks. My attitude was not right, I have to admit. I said, Sister Tamil, with all due respect, how, if we can't pay our bills now, can we give God the first 10%? She said, By faith. Faith. Trust. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. I'm challenging you today to be a tithe payer, to give God the first 10%. See if he won't open up the windows of heaven. He said it, not me. Prove me, he said. And I'll rebuke the devourer. That money that you're spending on doctors, I'll make sure that doesn't happen anymore. That car that used to have, listen, we own cars. (laughs) You're gonna laugh at this. We were paying for cars that we no longer owned. They had went to the boneyard. We didn't even own them and we were still making payments on them. That's how bad they are. Now I got cars that run right. I get around fine. I have minimal problems with automobiles. Why? God has blessed me. God has blessed me. I lived in government housing before I knew the Lord and now I've got a home. I never owned a suit. God has been so good to me because he promised he would supply all of our needs. But even beyond that, and and then we lived off of a budget. Oh, I I gotta throw this in. It's not just tithing, it's stewardship. You got to, maybe you think this is a plug for Peace University, but it just fits. But you got to get on a budget because if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to wonder where it went. You got holes in your pockets. It's falling out. So you get yourself on a budget. You don't buy things you can't afford. Well, I'd like to have a Lexus. Well, maybe you can't afford a Lexus. But wouldn't you at least like to have a good running car that gets you to point A to point B? So we tithed, and we stayed on our budget. And we gave, we started an envelope system. My wife will confirm this, some people got $10 a month. We sent them all a letter, dear sir, dear madam, We are so sorry, we are in terrible straits financially. We can't afford to make the $50 a month payment, but we will send you faithfully $10 every month. We're living on a budget and here's a copy. We never had one creditor say, not good enough. I want the whole 50. They all took because God moved on the creditors. And they, they must have said, well, they, they're making an effort. They're not declaring bankruptcy. They're not trying to run out. They're making an effort. And after one year, we even had some creditors send us a notification back and say, since you've been faithful in paying the $10 that you said you were going to pay, we're erasing the rest of the debt. Why? Because God moved on the creditors. God moves on the creditors. Now, I know that this is not going to be a popular message. But let me say this to you. The world says, and I hear it, the church talks about money too much. Let me say this to you. Do you know the number one subject in the world today? Money. NASDAQ, Dow Jones oh, the economy's in a bad way, unemployment, people complaining about, I haven't gotten a raise. What are they talking about? Money, money, money. I don't have enough money to pay my bills. I want to get this or I want to get that. Money, money, money. Jesus spoke about money more than any other subject in the Bible. Because the love of money we're talking about the heart. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil. But the love of money, that's the root of all evil. The way that we spend our money reveals our values. Remember that? I've taught you this, and I'm going to keep preaching this till the day I die. The way we spend our money reveals our values. The way we spend our time reveals our priorities. Let me give you a, see, our problem, our problem is a misappropriation of funds. That's the problem we're facing. I'm struggling financially. Okay, well, how are you appropriating your funds? Where's God in your budget? Where are your creditors in your budget? Don't give God the last, give God the first. If you think that you're gonna pay God at the end, it'll never work. You give to God first. Let me talk to you about attitude for a minute. One day, David goes to Samuel. Samuel is the prophet, the pastor of the king. And he says, Samuel, God, I believe it's in me to build the temple. I want to build God a house. And Samuel said, Well, that's very admirable but I need to talk to God about that. And so he goes and talks to God and God says, you go back and tell David he cannot build me a house because he's got blood on his hands and he's a man of war. Tell him he can't do it. So Samuel goes back, now if you're the pastor or you're the prophet and you have to appear before the king, that's a tough duty. But he appears before the king and he says, King David, I spoke to God about your request, and God said, no. No? Why would God not let me do something like that for him? Because he said, you've got blood on your hands, and you're a man of war. He said, your son will build it. David wasn't very happy about that. But he didn't shoot his mouth off He didn't get angry at God. He didn't get angry at Samuel. He composed himself and he came back to Samuel and he said, Samuel, God said I can't build a house. Samuel said, that's correct. Did God say I couldn't pay for the house? And Samuel said, well, he didn't say that. He said, well, then I want to pay for it. Is there anything else I can do? Did God say that I couldn't organize crews? Get materials together? No. Whoa, What did He say I couldn't do? Samuel said he didn't say any of that. He just said, "You couldn't build a house." Then David said, "I'm going to pay for it." Are you hearing what I'm the attitude of David today. What an attitude. He could have got an attitude and said, wait a minute, Samuel, do you know your place? I'm the king here. I want to build a house. I'm building the house. Nobody tells me what I can and can't do. I'm the king. He didn't get that attitude. Even if I can't build it, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to contribute to it. That's an attitude, folks. And God blessed that. That's one of the things about David that God loved so much was his attitude. He wasn't a perfect man. He made mistakes and you know about him. But when he realized his mistakes, he would humble himself and do his best to get it right with God and the people that he had hurt. That's an attitude. And he had an attitude of generosity and it was throughout his life not just on this occasion. Now his son, let's take a look at his son here. Solomon did not learn well from his father's example. First Kings chapter six and verse number 38. Now Solomon has built the house and this is what it says. In the 11th year in the month of Baal, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof and according to all the fashion of it, so he was seven years in building it. It took Solomon seven years to build the house of God. Now we have chapters in the Bible so that we can find things more quickly, but the very next verse, which would be 1 Kings 7 and 1 says, but Solomon was building his own house 13 years. And he finished all his house. Seven years in a building project. Finally got it completed, but spent almost twice as much time on his own house as he did on God's house. No wonder when you, when you read Solomon's writings, you see this vexation of spirit. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Vanity because he looked back at his life and he saw that he majored in some minors. He had some accomplishments, but he did some things that took too much of his attention and too much of his time. If you continue to read that chapter, he's in one building project after another. Even after the 13 years of his own house, he just keeps building things. And he's vexed by it and takes a look at the end of his life and says, I've majored in minors. But let me share this with you about David. 2 Samuel chapter 24. Those who give won't want, and those who want won't give. But 2 Samuel 24 Let me explain to you what's happened here. David sinned against God. He numbered the armies. And God was so angry at the fact that he was counting all the time and determining his strength and his success through numbers that God brought judgment against Israel. He gave David some choices David made the choice as to which judgment Israel would receive. And God executed a judgment against the nation of Israel that, it's in its initial stage, killed 70,000 men. I hope you will be a little patient with me. I'm not real quick at counting people anymore. How many did we have in church on Sunday? Not enough but we're thankful for the ones that were there. But don't get into the counting game. That's what happens to people that have trouble financially. They're always counting beans. How many beans in my basket? Be careful about the numbers game. 70,000 died and then David decided he'd make a sacrifice. And he came to another king. The king's name was Araunu. Here it is in 2 Samuel 24 and 22. Araunu said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be the oxen for your burnt sacrifice. And here are the threshing instruments and the other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Araunah, who was a king, give unto the king. And Araunah said unto the king, "The Lord thy God accept thee." And the king said unto Araunah, "Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which did cost me nothing." So David brought bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Let me make sure you understand what's happened here. David comes across another king He's got the perfect place for the sacrifice. He has a threshing floor. He has the instruments of sacrifice. And he has the oxen for sacrifice. Now the king, out of his generosity, says to David, hey, I give it all to you. Use it. If you want to make a sacrifice to your God, here it is, I give it to you. But David says, no, I can't do that because if you give me all that and I make the sacrifice, listen, then it's you that's making the sacrifice and not me. Did you hear that? And I will not offer something to God that cost me nothing. See, a sacrifice does cost you something Remember I've talked to you about tithing? Let me talk to you about giving. We had a building fund when I first came in the church. We weren't in very long at all and they were outgrowing the building. And so they said, well, we need to build. And so we're we're gonna ask everybody to give to this building fund. We didn't have a lot of money. We were struggling with our budget. You know what we did? We had previously sold our television set and we went out and bought a stereo because we were gonna have Christian music in our home. That was more important than TV. So we bought the stereo and it cost us $400. Then they get up and say they need money for the house. We don't have any money, but we have a stereo. So we sat down together and made a decision. We're gonna take our stereo back to the store get our $400 and give the full $400 to the church. But Sister Tamil found out about it. And she came to us and said, Rick and Liz, you need that stereo. You keep it. Brother Tamil and I have talked about it and we're gonna give you $400. And if you want to give that to the building fund, that would be great. And if you can pay us back, that's great. But if you can't, that's okay too. And they gave the $400 and we paid them back. I learned a lot of good lessons from my pastor. Sharp. Did you hear what he said when he gave us the $400? If you can pay me back, that's fine. He wasn't counting on it. That way there wasn't going to be an argument between me and him if I didn't pay it back. Don't ever give anybody anything that you can't afford to lose. If you can't lose it, don't give it. Because once you give it, you just need to consider it gone. Now God will make it up. Even if they don't, can I get an amen to that? Amen. You can't outgive God. But David said, back to David now, "I'm not letting you make my sacrifice." Brother Matson told a story today, and I'm going to reiterate the story he told. When we outgrew the building over on Oakwood Street, Sister Brown saw a sign up on this cornfield that said it was, this property was for sale. 14 acres, I think the price was 209. If somebody wants to correct me, they can. But I think it was 209 that the man was asking and he wanted to sell all 14 acres. And he said, here's the way it's gonna work, Pastor, You get a one-time bid on this property. There is another church and some other people that are interested, and I'm taking the best price. God had sent a man by the name of Richard Gazowski a few months earlier, and he preached a message, and the message was, I will pay full price. God had sent him to us to preach that message, and we heard it. And when the test came for this property, and we talked about it, what are we gonna do? We agreed, we're going to offer full price. And when the bids were turned in, he called me and said, you guys got the land. The other groups offered a few thousand less, But you paid full price, the land is yours. Here's the point for a few thousand dollars, we would not be on this property today, except that God sent somebody to preach this message I will pay full price. (laughs) Full price. Put this up, please. Don't let anyone make the sacrifice that God asks of you. Don't let a raunu make a sacrifice for you. You make the sacrifice. And when you do, the plague, the problems, the things that have come against you, they were lifted After the sacrifice. After the sacrifice. Because it was in David's heart to pay full price. Let's stand together. So who is the steward and who is the Lord of your heart and of your finances? We're gonna find out because God is not looking to curse anyone. And we'll say it again. God is not looking to curse anyone. He's not looking to make anybody sick. He's a healer. He's a savior. He's a provider. He's a protector. And if you know that, give of your time, give of your talents, give of your finances, cheerfully unto the Lord. I remember one of the first things I learned when I came into the church back at Parkway, they didn't have a budget for teachers. And we've got Sunday school teachers and home Bible study teachers. And we went out and bought a lot of our own materials. We didn't go to the Sunday school department and say, hey, can I have 20 bucks? We went out and bought it on our own. I remember the first home Bible study chart. I bought my own. I bought a teacher's manual. I bought an easel. It was mine. I felt good about it. I was investing in my ministry. And God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus, I pray today for those that are here that are broken. Maybe they are where we were.